Good morning, everyone. My name is Lois and I'm one of the leaders at Oxford Community Church. And I am really delighted to be continuing in our exciting series on the book of Philippians. And today we're looking at uh, the idea of pursuing community. But really, I'm going to be zoning in on the idea, the quite simple but profound idea about loving others. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's open them together to Philippians chapter two, verse 19. And we're going to read together till the end of the chapter. So Paul writes this from verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So I've got a bit of a confession to make. Philippians is one of my favourite letters and so I was very pleased about the idea that I'd be digging into this uh, this book and so I went to the spreadsheet there's this master spreadsheet and I was like what's my passage which passage am I going to be preaching on and I was like oh no Timothy and Epaphroditus what is that it's like the the boring bit I was like it's all right for Steve he had that awesome passage about not grumbling or complaining and then, you know, realised the irony that I was grumbling and complaining about it. Anyway, I quickly came to appreciate this passage for a couple of reasons. One was it tells me that people are important. People were important to Paul then. They're important to God. Individual people, not just the whole. All of the individuals. That's a bit of an understatement that God cares about individuals. But also something else occurred to me about this passage. If you think about most of the New Testament letters, the business side of things where Paul talks about, um, you know, who he's sending where and I'll oh, please pass on thanks to this person. That all happens at the end of the letters, but not here. This occurs right in the middle um, in quite a significant chapter as well. Chapter two. So why is that? Well, the chapter begins by inviting us, if you want to have a look back, you can, right at the start of the chapter of chapter two. It invites us to think about the humility of Jesus. 
And it says he did he he did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. It's this kind of model um, that we're supposed to imitate. And then the next section after that is uh, what we heard last week, which is Paul's encouragement for us as a community of believers to uh, bear with one another. And then we have our passage. And it's no accident that it comes here, because as well as Paul communicating some news about the fact that he's going to send Timothy and Epaphroditus, uh, these men are also to be examples to the Philippians. So there's the model, it's like a funnel. There's the model, which is Christ. There's the uh, community aspect. And then there's these specific examples that he gives of this living life in humility and loving others. So very simply, we're going to look firstly at what Paul wanted the Philippians to learn from Timothy and then secondly from Epaphroditus. So if we look at verse 20 again, it says this about Timothy. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So the main thing that Paul calls out about Timothy is this genuine concern that he has for the Philippians. And for Paul, that's essential for his work, for the gospel, that Paul himself has this great concern, this love, this drive to see the church thrive. And he's saying Timothy shares this, this concern. And it's not your average level of concern. It's not like, oh, how they doing? <laughs> Send them my love, you know. Paul says this, I have no one else like him. That's pretty strong, isn't it? And then he makes this statement for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Well, that's even stronger. And I just wondered if we could have a moment of honesty where we just ask, how do we feel about that? How do those things make you feel? And it might be that you feel a little bit offended. Like, what, what do you mean everyone looks to their own interests? What do you mean everyone? What do you mean there's no one else like Timothy? I've been doing my best. Or you might hear that words to that effect and feel just really deflated. When lockdown happened, um, we experienced this phenomenon when everyone was in crisis at once. Yeah. And man, did it make me realise that I am limited in terms of my capacity for people. And if I believed before that I was really good at caring for people, it just disappeared. I was like, I don't want to speak to anyone. Everyone's got problems. I've got enough on my own plate. So we'd be forgiven to for us, you know, to a certain extent if we hear these words and just feel some kind of condemnation on us, right? We are limited. And so often we feel pretty terrible about that. We can beat ourselves up about it. 
we can compare ourselves unfavorably with others. You know, some people during this period of time have actually just done, they've just had an, an amazing grace for other people and they've just done some amazing things. God bless those people. God bless them. God bless you if that's you. Um, but that's not that's not the experience of all of us. And we can compare ourselves unfavorably with those people. But this is not what Paul is getting at. He knows humans are limited. There's something about Timothy that seems to have enabled him to break free from the norm of humanity. And th- this is what Paul is drawing attention to. And this is all to do with Jesus. Paul references Jesus directly, and this is what we learn. Jesus has interests. So it says everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus has interests. And I'm not talking about hobbies like foosball, foosball Jesus. I'm talking about interests, things that he really, really cares about. And we know from earlier on in the chapter what these are. He's in the business of loving people. That's who he is. He is in the business of pouring himself out to love people, to save them. So here's the very simple truth. We are not the saviour. We are not the source of love. Jesus is. Can I get an amen? When we think that we're the saviour... We tend to think and say things like, oh, I should be doing more of this. Or, oh, I feel bad that I haven't done that. Because we've set this standard for ourselves that we can never reach. And then we beat ourselves up for not being able to reach it. And the really sad thing is that shuts us off from what is really going on and from seeing something truly amazing happen. Because the truth is, Jesus is in the business of loving people, all people, and there's an open invitation for us to be part of it. So how does that work? Well, this is the thing that reassures me. The way that Jesus did it was he was present wherever he was. Wherever he was, he was present. And he asked his father, what should I do now? He was present and he was like, what should I do now? So straight away, that's very different from us worrying that we're not in the right place, that we're not doing the right things. Actually, we need to be where we are. We've been put where we are for a reason. We need to be present. And also, um, unless he tells you otherwise... I kind of feel like the people you encounter each day, the ones that you meet over Zoom or the shopping assistants you catch up with, are the ones that you're supposed to love. And I I really feel like at the moment, especially, he just wants to release us from burdens. Burdens that we're not doing better. And he still wants to love everybody. He's still doing that with or without us. And he wants to love, um, he wants to love you. He wants to love your mum. He wants to love your best friend. 
love doesn't have to be far from home. And I wanted to mention an example um, that sprang to mind from our own community, and that is the wonderful Emily Sturgis. Uh, many of you will know Emily, but some may not. Um, so Emily has been part of OCC for quite a long time now, uh, but the last few years has very sadly suffered with ME um, or chronic fatigue syndrome and therefore hasn't been able to come along pre-lockdown, hasn't been able to come along to very many Sunday services whatsoever. And I thought about Emily straight away when I started to prepare for today. Um, if you could imagine, I don't know if, if you know much about Emmy, but you could imagine that actually life for Emily looked a lot like lockdown for quite a long time. So you could probably forgive her if if we all started sort of like going on and on about lockdown. You'd forgive her for being like, OK, <laughs> but she isn't. Um, well, she may feel that way, but um, but what she's been doing, I just noticed that she's been sending little postcards to people. Uh, with little encouraging messages on people in our community. She sends little gifts to people who are in need and who are a bit sad. And I got in touch with her and I just said, OK, well, tell me about that. Tell me where that's come from. And she said that for so many people, lockdown has come as a shock. As they've had to make big adjustments and big adaptations to their lives. And she said, I know that even a little bit of love, even a tiny bit of love or a pick-me-up can make a difficult day so much better. She talked about using little compassion spaces as and when they appeared in her life. And just in listening to her talk, the thing that struck me was this peace. Um, and I so often feel anxious about all the people I should be helping but aren't, when I could actually just spend 30 seconds or whatever, however long your compassion space is, saying to God before a conversation or a call, okay, God, I'm about to speak to this person. How can I love them? How do you want me to love them? And it turns out that God says very simple things like, uh, Tell her you care about her or ask her how she's doing emotionally. Um, when it's God's idea, this is the amazing thing. When it's God's idea, it can be a tiny thing that we do. But it ends up having immensely powerful consequences when we ask him and we're obedient. Just a tiny thing for us can have a massive impact on the person so if you're feeling limited, why not give that a go? The Jesus method of loving people. So let's look at Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was sent by the Philippians to help Paul. So firstly, his example is one of practical care. And meeting practical needs is another one of those things that Jesus tells us to do. He says, if someone is hungry, give them something to eat. You know, don't overthink it. Uh, and meeting practical needs is the mainstay of church because it's one of the most effective ways to love people. And if you think about it, that's because not only are you meeting somebody's needs, but also 
it requires an element of sacrifice on your on your behalf. And sacrifice communicates love in a very deep way. Um, so the greatest act of love that this world has ever seen was Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross because he loved everybody. Um, so people rarely seem to need practical help when it's convenient for me. Uh, so it, it, it usually does involve a sacrifice, but that's all part of it. That's all part of the power of love. So Epaphroditus is, uh, should be an example to us when we want to show love, but we're not sure how to do that well. Um, you won't go wrong if you start to simply meet practical needs. Um, but for Epaphroditus, the sacrifice is particularly high, isn't it? And it's actually the price that he pays um, is what Paul chooses to honour. Um, and you notice at the end of the passage, Paul commands the Philippians to honour Epaphroditus because he's risked his life. And I just I was thinking about this. If you imagine what it might be like to be Epaphroditus, try and suspend disbelief, maybe. Um, he's been given this incredibly important mission. Uh, we don't know much about him. We know he's had to travel a long way. We know that traveling at that time would have been dangerous. Um, and he's been given this incredibly important mission to deliver aid to one of the heroes of the faith when he's in dire need. So Paul's in prison, we remember. But when he arrives, he gets ill. And uh, he ends up having to be nursed back to health. And I, I don't want to presume, but I could imagine that Epaphroditus might have felt a little embarrassed. I mean, when he wasn't, you know, trying to not die. Um, but, you know, he went to be a blessing and he ended up having to be nursed. I can just imagine that he might have considered that he'd failed somehow or been more of a burden than a blessing. But here's the thing. Paul chooses to honour him for risking his life. He says this. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. And there is something about honour that brings God's perspective on situations and human beings in particular. And I would naturally think about Epaphroditus' journey and his illness as a big shame and potentially even a bit of a failure. That's a human perspective. God sees this intrepid man going on this long journey, powered by love, knowing that there are going to be challenges along the way. And God says, wow, look at him. Yeah, that's what I'm like. And when you honour somebody like Paul does here, you are able to receive the fullness of God's character expressed in them. So the Philippians are able to receive his example because of the honour that Paul has bestowed on him 
and the honour that they are commanded to give him. So I guess I just wanted to ask the question, is there anyone that God would have you honour for the way that they show love practically? Perhaps somebody who's taken a bit for granted. You could ask what God's perspective is on them and just really go for it. They'll probably find it uncomfortable. Do it anyway. And as well as blessing them, you will also receive from them something of the character of God. But also it might be the case that you um, have to show practical love on a very regular basis. Maybe you have to look after a family member or a neighbour um, or you serve in a way that no one sees. Why not ask God what he thinks about you, about what you're doing and receive the honour from him uh, and inject new life into what you're doing as you feel the pride of your father. So that is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Um, and I just wanted to finish up with a few final encouragements. Um, Bob Johnson writes this. You are a walking encounter with Jesus. You are a walking encounter with Jesus. When people meet you, they meet Jesus. And when we stop beating ourselves up and get that reality, you know, into our heads, there's no limit, actually, to what God is able to do in the lives of people that we come into contact with. Because Jesus is the saviour. He has interests that he wants to carry out and he simply issues an invitation to join in. And at the start of worship, Liv uh, mentioned that she feels unqualified to lead during a pandemic. We're all with you, Liv. Um, and when none of us know what we're doing, we want to follow that kind of example that Liv set where you just say, God, I have no idea what to do. And I don't really feel like I have the capacity, but fill me with your spirit. What would you have me do today? Who would you have me love today? And love changes everything, as we've heard, even tiny acts of love, and especially when those tiny acts of love are God's idea. So let's get involved and see what he will do.